Hello and welcome to today's program. My name is Matt Weaver. I am the webmaster and creator of BibleTruthProject.com. Today I'm going to be speaking about Mystery Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the most controversial city in the world. It has a history going back thousands of years. It is a city with renown throughout the world. And it is also uh, considered holy by three of the world's great religions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. So what is about this city that it has created such a firestorm, such an attention in the world spotlight, and such uh, a great importance in the world uh, platform, and also through the ages, people fighting for the territory and the area around Jerusalem? Well, I hope to uncover a little bit of that today and talk about the exciting things that are taking place in Jerusalem and why this has been such a controversial place and something that all believers should understand and know about Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was founded many, 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 many years ago, but the first biblical reference that we hear is the word Salem or Shalem, or as in Hebrew, it would say Shalom, peace, the city of peace. Uh, Salem, in uh, the time of Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek is an interesting figure that we will spend a little bit of time talking about uh, because it is basically a type and a shadow, some people believe, of Jesus and other people talk about the Holy Spirit. Um, but we have to look at this whole picture. One of the most fascinating aspects of the Bible and the word pictures that it gives us, it gives us such a tremendous uh, uh, depth of understanding. When we understand words and meanings and regions and all this, it all ties together so beautifully. So we can never, uh, never take away from what the importance is of this. So the first reference again is the, is the city of Shalem or Salem. Um, and that is what makes the word Yeru Shalem, Jerusalem. Now in the story of Abraham, God asks him to take Isaac as part of the covenant that is happening between God and Abraham, that he takes Isaac and he sacrifices him on Mount Moriah or Mount Moriah. And Abraham does do this. He takes his son and he goes into the land of Moriah and he goes up to this. Now, I want to bring out a, a point. The Bible doesn't say anything. Okay. But Salem has always been associated with Jerusalem because it's where the name comes from. You think about the priest of Salem coming from the city. Well, Jerusalem or Salem is built right beside or on part of Moriah. So it makes me wonder, is perhaps uh, part of the missing pieces of the story and that the perhaps this is just speculation that the priest of Salem perhaps saw the sacrifice Abraham did and later he comes out and meets him but Abraham takes his son up on to the top of Moriah and the top of Moriah is actually geographically you know uh, is actually north of the temple complex today known as the Temple Mount uh, it's actually further north than that. There's a tradition that the rock underneath the Dome of the Rock is where that took place, but that is actually not the top of Moriah. It is a, a second peak, if you will. The, the, the northernmost peak, if you just keep following the, the uh, geography north, just not very far, a couple hundred feet, you will arrive outside of the modern city walls, and 
you will see a uh, kind of like a cutout of a ridge uh, in against the highest point of Moriah. And there was actually a rock quarry uh, used to quarry out a lot of the rock that was used in ancient Jerusalem. So half the hill is gone. But it's approximately in the Garden Tomb area. It's right in that area is where the cliff face is. And you can easily see it if you go there. And that is actually the highest point. But, but Abraham brings his son here and he sacrifices it. Now, there's a whole other line of thought I could go into and, and talking about what happened uh, with the sacrifice. I will not because my focus is in Jerusalem. I could spend days on this subject. But basically what happens is he is finalizing the covenant between uh, Abraham and, and uh, God. And there's a gentleman that had studied ancient covenants and spent uh, did a Ph.D. in it in his research. And what he found is that many ancient civilizations uh, used a the same form of covenants between uh, two parties who wanted to make a covenant. And the word in ancient uh, or in, in the Old Testament is friend. So. Uh, God calls himself a friend to Abraham. Well, the word friend is deeper. When you met, when you said friend in that time frame, it didn't mean just, hey, good to know you. It meant friend. It meant we have sworn a covenant and I will never forsake this person. This is a covenanted friend. Uh, and that is part of the deeper story of what's happening with Abraham. But part of that covenant was also the giving each other of the firstborn son. And you can see the awesome imagery in that, that God gives his firstborn, Yeshua, and Abraham gives his firstborn, Isaac. Now, God said, look at what, look, just look at the picture, okay? So the, part of it was the exchange of the firstborn sons. Now, it wasn't that they killed the firstborn sons, but the covenant was to the, to the extent that party A and party B, the, the men, as a sign of their friendship, would switch their sons and say, this is my son, this is now your son. That may be a sign of our friendship and vice versa. And this was part of that exchange. Well, if we look at what happened on top of Mount Moriah, exactly that took place. What happened? I, he went up, he was going to sacrifice his son. Now, this is not unusual to sacrifice your firstborn in that, in that time frame. Uh, most religions... Uh, in the world in that time would have sacrificed their oldest son for fertility or whatever reasons uh, that they had. But the difference is God, God wasn't looking for that. He did tell him to do it, but then he said, no, wait, I know that your heart is pure. Um, but what happened? God spoke from heaven, told Abraham. Uh, well, no, I should rephrase that. Abraham, just before, said God will provide a lamb. Now, this is a hugely important thing to understand. It's deeper than what you can understand. God, uh, Abraham knew to, in order for this covenant to be ratified, to made right, that God is also going to have to give uh, something. And so he prophetically speaks that God will give a lamb. Now, if we notice after it was done, Abraham, after, after he was going to sacrifice Isaac, that over in the thickets was caught a ram, not a lamb, a ram. But 2,500 years later, 2,000 years later, comes the lamb, God's lamb, to the very same spot, to the very same city, and is given up as a sacrifice for all. So here is God keeping the covenant which he had made with Abraham from the beginning. Now, after this took place, 
Abraham goes and he delivers Lot. Story happens. Comes back. And out of Salem comes Melchizedek. Okay? Now, Salem, again, city of peace. It, geographically, it's, it's identified as Jerusalem. So if it is Jerusalem, it was right there. Right close to the area where Abraham offered up Isaac as a sacrifice. Why is this important? Now we read that the Melchizedek comes out. Melchizedek comes out from Salem, meets Abraham. And Abraham is moved with what is happening here. Because what, what, what happens? He brings bread and wine. Now this was part of the covenant that was also in the day of ancient covenants. And so Abraham was moved at the sight of the bread and wine because this was kind of like the last, uh, as I understand um, the research, this is a bit of the last uh, part of the covenant which was going to be made. And look at the, the symbology. It's beautiful. So Melchizedek comes out and he meets Abram, or Abraham. Abraham has just slaughtered the kings, okay? The kings that came out against him, uh, and that was the kings, I believe, of uh, in the valley of Siddim there, or in the Jordan Valley, um, the kings that had attacked Sodom. And so basically, when Abraham defended it, went after Lot, got him, king of Salem came out, and he brought bread and wine. And he sat down with Abraham, and he broke the bread, and he, and he, and he gave the wine, and at that point, Abraham gives him 10% of all. Now, why? Because Abraham knew the sequence of events. So now each party gives each other 10% based upon uh, what was going on. And so Abraham takes this priest, this, this man, who it basically means uh, the righteous and uh, scepter or king of righteousness. Okay. So the king of righteousness comes from Salem, okay, the city of peace, with bread and wine, and he sits down with Abraham, and Abraham gives him 10% of all he has because of this whole thing. So, it's, I hope you're following, I'm not trying to make it confusing, but it is a little difficult to get through the technical aspect, but what I want you to see is, is the typology and the words, and this is the setup for the coming Messiah. So, who was then the person? See, if you look at it, so God sends the priest, the Melchizedek, the righteous scepter, to meet Abraham, whose son would ultimately be uh, the son of God, okay, through Yeshua, David, go down the lineage, started with Abraham. And so in that, he saw God ratifying his, and, and, and still keeping up his end, fulfilling this covenant. If we look at the life of Abraham, it's, it's, it's interesting. The setup from the point where the covenant was made, where the smoking lamp went between the, the sacrificial pieces and Abraham was in a deep sleep, that was the initial starting point. And again, those covenants would split the animals. Both parties would walk through, but God did not allow Abraham to walk through because he knew that he made the covenant with himself. And right at that point, God is fully committed and is going to be keeping uh, Abraham's side of the covenant. But anyway, so we keep going down and look at the life of Abraham. All these interesting meaning points and, and types and shadows. Now, God was only known as Elohim up to that point, which means creator God. And Elohim is actually, it can mean a plural, it can be a pluralistic form, or it can be singular. 
uh, but it means creator God. So Abraham is, is learning about God in a beautiful way. So he meets the Lord uh, when they go down to Sodom then for the destruction later. But at this point, he is meeting the priest of the Most High. Now, we don't think of that today, but the Most High means El Elyon. So he is meeting the most, he is meeting the priest, the, the king and priest of the Most High. Now, that is definitely a type and shadow uh, of Jesus. However, Jesus did die and resurrect. So it wasn't Jesus, but it was the Holy Spirit because it was him who could make Jesus a king and priest forever. Okay? So here we have a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit coming out from the, from the city of peace to meet Abraham, who is the father of the, of the covenant peoples on earth. Okay? God's covenant with man was done through Abraham. And so this epic meeting and the symbology, the last symbol that we have is the bread and the wine. And then Abraham gives 10%. Now, in the bread and wine, there is so much uh, that could be said about it. And I'm not going to get into it. But basically, okay, what has happened in the Jewish pe- uh, nation since then is they've kept every Shabbat, they've kept bre- the breaking of bread and the drinking of wine. And I believe it started there because it's the first reference in the Bible that they would have done it. And so with that, they bless the Lord who is the giver of uh or, yeah, who is the creator and the giver of bread and who is the creator and giver of the fruit of the vine. And so we bless the one by which we are given blessing. And it starts at Abraham. Abraham then gives uh, the Melchizedek 10%. But this is the initial starting point. So what is with this city? Now, we go to extra biblical sources. There is a lot of thought that they believe that this is where creation started especially in the Jewish culture. Creation started at Jerusalem. And if you look at the stories in the Bible, uh, or in, in the day, okay, so it, it describes the land of Eden, and it describes four rivers coming out of, from the head, and it names the four rivers. Um, and to the rivers, we, we don't really know what happened with. There's the, the Euphrates and the Tigris. But, you know, if there was a worldwide flood, that stuff could have changed geographically. We don't know. But many people believe that the cornerstone of uh, where Adam was created was the Dome of the Rock, right there at Moriah. Now, it could easily be. If we know how God works, it probably probably had something to do with that region. And in, in the reason um, the reason it's so important in the world's... I mean, why is it the center? Why? Well, who cares about a city on the top of a mountain in the middle of nowhere. I mean, yeah, okay, it's great, whatever. But why is it so important? Everything is surrounding this city. Everything is basing out of it. We just heard about Abraham and this first connection to the city of Salem. Now, the next hop in Jerusalem's history in the children of Israel is that it was inhabited by Jebusites. And in the name of the city was Jabas. Okay, and so when David, who was, again, a type and shadow of Jesus, he was a, if you will, a messianic figure in that he set his people free and he established a kingdom. Um, and he was, he was, uh, how would you say it? He was God's appointed king uh, and Jesus was also the king of the Jews. So, I mean, there's a type and shadow thing here. And also he was the father. So Jesus was the son uh, of David through Mary, as well as through Joseph. It was a both, both-sided thing. Now, so here is 
here is David, and David captures it. And, and the thing about Jerusalem, it was actually kind of a middle ground. Uh, see, the kingdoms in the north and the kingdoms in the south were somewhat separated even at that point. They, they weren't separated, but it was not a unified kingdom like we think today. So we think the children of Israel in the land, uh, we always think like through the, through the period of the judges after they came in from the Exodus that they probably still did everything together, which was wrong. They every, each person went to their tribal territories and they really didn't interact a whole lot. Okay. They had some, they had uh, judges that would raise up and would defeat enemies and take care of things as needed, but they were not like living together and they didn't have a common uh, government. Now this was an, uh, this was not necessarily wrong because God wanted to be their king and he wanted him uh, he was he wanted to be the head of this and he wanted them to be his people and he would be their God. So he was their king. Well, in Samuel, we read that Samuel was very upset when they said, make us a king like other nations because they wanted government. They felt we needed to be governed by government. And Samuel is very angry. And God says this, Samuel, I don't know why you're angry. I'm just paraphrasing because they have not rejected you. They've rejected me in saying that they want a king. So the first king of Israel is Saul, and Saul is the ideal king. He's head and shoulders above everyone, he's, a, he's handsome, and he is just the ideal guy. But he can't follow what God says, and God removes the kingdom from him and gives it to somebody who is after his heart, and that is David, a shepherd. Now, what we don't necessarily read is that Saul only was basically uh, Benjamin. There was, uh, I think it was Benjamin Jude. It was like the southern tribes. And that was basically who Saul uh, controlled. The northern tribes really didn't want anything to do with any of it. They were just not really part of it. So it wasn't like Israel as a nation was being governed by Saul. There was just a couple tribes loyal to Saul as their king. Um, and Benjamin is up there just north of Jerusalem on that plateau. That's, that's Benjamin. That's the territory. So Benjamin is one of it. Well, Jerusalem is just to the south. Well, we read that Saul sets up his uh, capital uh, at Shiloh. And that's where, or that's where the, that's where the uh, tabernacle is. And Saul kind of goes between Shiloh and down the valley um, to Gilgal. So kind of back and forth between there. But but that is, it's not Jerusalem, okay? The Jebusites are living there. And David in the south, after the incidents with Saul and is on the run, uh, wins the favor of the southern tribes. Now, how does he do this? Because he becomes the sheriff of Ziklag, which is a, um, a city out by the uh, Philistines. Um, Basically, there's Gath, there's uh, Ziklag, there's a couple other cities like that. I can't remember. But in the story where David goes to the king of Gath uh, and he acts crazy and then later he comes back and they obviously would know better. Comes back and the, and the king gives him Ziklag to be the city of and also to be the sheriff of the region. Just take care of it. Well, when they go, the Philistines go to fight David and Saul. Uh or not David and Saul, Jonathan and Saul, and they're killed in Mount Kuboa, the commanders of that army do not want David to go alone. They don't trust him. Well, at that same time, that they're defeated in the south, uh, or they're defeated, defeated up on Mount Kuboa, men, uh, David moves south into the southern tribes. 
uh, which the Southern Tribes, you'd have Judah, and you'd have some other, you know, Simeon, I think, is down there. Of course, you'd have bits of Levi. and Anyway, so you have, all of a sudden, you have him winning favor amongst those Southern Tribes. And the picture is given shortly thereafter that the mighty men of Israel come from all over the mountains to be joined with David. And it says, like, their faces were like lions. So all of a sudden, all these men come and his king, kingship is uh, confirmed. And what does David do? He, he actually goes out and he defeats the very people that had given him what he was, the sheriff. He goes after the Philistines and he defeats them. And then he goes north and he drives out uh, the Jebusites. And he goes up north and he, he, he d- takes care of the Canaanites. So he's, he's finishing what should have been done in Joshua's day, and they ran out of time. So David is really establishing the kingdom, which is also a messianic picture. David is establishing this earthly kingdom. When the Messiah will come, I mean, he has established the spiritual kingdom. It's always a representation of what is in heaven. Uh, He has established the physical. Jesus established the spiritual. When he comes back, he will again, of course, is open for debate, um, establish the kingdom on earth, but I believe it'll be a renewed earth, if we can say it that way. So whatever will happen at the end will happen. We're not going to get into that. But Jerusalem plays a central importance. Why? Because David makes it the capital. Now, this is kind of important because David's actually from Judah. So he's not, uh, it's not really his territory. His, his is further, uh, further to the west and south uh, territory of Judah, uh, Bethlehem, which is you know a couple a couple miles south of Jerusalem today, is where where he was from. But he instead of making his uh, throne in Hebron, which he was he was king there for a while in Hebron, uh, instead of just keeping it there, he moves it to Jerusalem, and he and he, I think this is strategic because the kingdom is always centered around Jerusalem. We look at the spiritual world today; Jerusalem is the center of the kingdom. It's the center of what God is doing on earth. Okay, what is the kingdom? It is the king's domain. So who is our king? It is God. What is his domain? It starts in Jerusalem. In uh, the Bible, in Revelation, it says the new city, the new Yerushalayim, uh, Yerushalayim, will come out of heaven. And this new city will, is the kingdom. It's the city of peace. Okay? But look at the importance of this coming together. I mean, it is, it is the center of the physical world and it is the center of the spiritual world. And when those two meet is when we will have this amazing time at the end, uh, when all time is completed and we go into whatever is lies ahead of us, whether it's a millennial time frame or whatever it is, uh, it is when the earthly Jerusalem and the heavenly Jerusalem meet. So Jerusalem is an incredibly important enigma in the Bible, an incredibly important city, and that is why it's so contested. And that is why we have forces in earth who are trying to tear Jerusalem apart. They're trying to remove it. The Jewish people, just as it was prophesied, they're strangers in a strange land. People do not recognize them as legitimately having that territory. Yet nobody legitimately has that territory. Okay, because it's God's territory, and he gives it by covenant and promise. So many people have tried to conquer Jerusalem and ultimately fail. It was given, it is God's city. And in today's climate, we look at what's happening in Jerusalem. Yes, it's under Jewish control, and yet that's contested, but that is the way it is. And it's a fulfillment of what God said about the children of Abraham. Both parties involved are the children of Abraham. The uh, Arabs are descendants 
from Ishmael. The Jews are descendants from Isaac. They're brothers. They're both children of Abraham fighting over this real estate, fighting over this place where that ultimate promise uh, was made. I mean, it, to Islam, it's where Ishmael was sacrificed. To Judaism and Christianity, it is where Isaac was uh, thing, uh, cru- uh, not crucified, sacrificed, sorry. And so this is the central focus, this territory, this place. And what we read about Jesus coming back as he left from just beyond the Mount of Olives, he will return and he will split that, uh, that mountain. Half of it shall go to the north, half to the south, and the river will flow out of the, of the hill and will make the Dead Sea sweet again. And he will reign in Jerusalem. So that which is on earth and in heaven will come together and we will have ourselves uh, the biblical definition of heaven, I believe. And that is the New Jerusalem, which is much bigger than the present day one. See, the original promise to Abraham was that it would be a territory that goes from the river Euphrates to the Nile. It's a territory of about 1,500 miles. And when John saw the city, it was about 1,500 miles square. So the New Jerusalem is a much larger city than the old. But it's not lost in the importance. So I'm going to cut uh, to the end of this here and just say, consider this. What importance does Jerusalem have for you? How has it affected your life? And what is different uh, for about, what is different to, uh, in, if I can just stumble over my words, what is different in your life because of what has happened in Jerusalem? And we think of all the things that have happened, the progression of faith from Abraham uh, through the time of the judges to the kings and then on to uh, diaspora. I mean, you've got Jesus' time then after the first diaspora. When Jesus has come and he is, uh, he is crucified in Jerusalem and then we have another diaspora. And here we are, 2,000 years later, 1948, this was established again. And then in 67, the Jews re, uh, again uh, got control of it. So we are living in basically 50 years now after thousands. We're living in a time frame where 50 years where the God's uh, chosen people by name are living in this city again. And huge things will happen because of this. So I want you to consider the importance of what is happening in the world and why Jerusalem is important. I hope this gives you a little bit, and I'm sorry, this is a drop in the bucket of what you could talk about Jerusalem, but I'm trying to do this in a timely manner. So I hope you gained a new appreciation for Jerusalem and what's, why it's important and why it affects you. And in the future, why God will bring his new Jerusalem down to the Jerusalem that is here on earth. So be blessed and encouraged. Thank you for listening today. Again, visit my website, www.bibletruthproject.com to see updates. I will be trying to do more updates as I can, give you uh, bits of information and tidbits and insights that I have learned in my travels and discoveries to the land of Israel, the land of the Bible, the place where God has covenanted his truth and promises to all nations. God bless.